Hey everyone, I'm Kim and welcome back to Tranquil Dreams Podcast. It's been a while. <laughs> the last podcast that went up was at the end of July and we're at the beginning of September. A lot has happened. I actually had recorded a podcast for episode 20, which is not applicable now. I had to rearrange everything and I have recording it, re-recording and adding stuff to it to kind of cover things a little bit better, um, hopefully to catch up everything over the next week or so. Um, but you know, I make plans that don't really come through at this point, so we'll see how things go, right? Um, but I'm really, really happy to get back to the podcast. It's been in the back of my mind for a long time, and I have so much to talk about. Um, I mean, we've gone through a lot over the last month or so. <laughs> um, for first of all, when the last podcast went up, I think we were only at about the end of June coverage till the beginning of July. So basically what's going to happen in this show is we're going to do a recap of July um, in totality. And then um, next episode, we're going to talk about basically August. Um, and in between all that, a lot of what happened and really took up my time and energy, if you've been frequenting the blog, you are very current of it because those were the only posts that went up, was my 25th Fantasia International Film Festival coverage. Uh, I do that every year, so everybody kind of expects it if you've been around for the past probably five, six years. Um, but yeah, this year I really upped my game and uh, I really caught up, tried to catch as much as I could. And I ended up doing quite a bit and beating my own record in terms of coverage, which is uh, something I'm pretty happy about overall. Uh, and, you know, I was able to catch a lot of movies I like, but still had some movies that I missed out. But we're going to talk about that in its own individual show um, because that, because Fantasia is one that this year was incredible lineup and sadly I wasn't able to catch everything um, due to just access issues and um, the whole virtual and uh, in-person in screenings. Um, but yeah, like I said, we're going to talk about that later. Um, episode 20 is going to be all about July recap. We're going to do a little bit of a recap of everything, reading, playing, watching, binging. If you're new here, which you might be because I haven't posted in a long time. Um, I, this is What's Up, uh, which is a segment that used to be a written, per, uh, written, um, segment on the blog, uh, which I've turned into a podcast this year. Um, this podcast is going to extend to a little bit more once I actually get a schedule down. But basically what I do is I cover what I've been reading, playing, watching, and binging, uh, which means generally books, games, movies, and TV series. Um, so we're going to jump, jump right in. And the first section is reading, which surprisingly before uh, the whole festival craziness happened, I was actually able to get back into reading and I finally finished Wayward Kindred, which was a graphic novel um, by Toronto Comics, which I had started at the beginning of the year and like an idiot, <laughs> I forgot to finish it. <laughs> and um, I finally went back to it and I sat myself down and I wanted to start, you know, finishing the stuff that I didn't finish at the beginning of the year before my work craze happened and everything just kind of went nuts and just fell behind. Um, so for those who don't know, Wayward Kindred is a graphic novel 
by Toronto Comics, which is a production company that I absolutely love. I have many, many books by them, and I've backed many Kickstarter projects of theirs. I actually have backed one recently of theirs, uh, and um, that should be in completion soon. It should be sent out. So I'm really excited about it. Uh, what Wayward Kindred is, is it's a, basically an anthology series. There are many different stories inside, uh, which in this one is themed in kind of odd kindred relationships. So, you know, um, parents and children or um, siblings, uh, you know, awkward little family relationships type of thing um, that seem to pop up with a twist of kind of monsters and creatures and um, that sort of thing. Uh, really, really up my alley. I like both of those angles a lot. And it really covers a lot of different uh, stories and plots and stuff. Uh, I don't really want to go through all of the stories, but my review for Wayward Kindred is up on the blog. If you're coming from the blog, you'll find a link at the bottom, um, and you can go check out the review. Uh, I In the review, I actually picked, I think, five or six that really stood out to me in terms of the stories uh, and the reasons I like them and a general kind of synopsis of it. Um, so moving on to playing. Um, playing wise, I think the main highlight is that uh, I tried out a demo um, called Blue June. And Blue June is by Tiny Dodo, which uh, the reason I tried it out was it was a Kickstarter project. And um, it's part of, uh, it's very similar to games that I personally like. Um, it recommends it's similar to games like Inside and Little Nightmares and. Um, basically stories that are really um, story driven with a kind of fantasy, uh, um, horror, psychological horror, uh, 2.5D. Um, I'm really into that sort of stuff. I'm, I'm actually not a big fan of 3D games just for the sole thing that I'm not too, like the sole angle that I'm not really good at camera maneuvers. <laughs> um, so I really like games that are able to portray something, um, a very deep world um, in their own 2.5D type of um, appearance and atmosphere and whatnot. Um, so Blue June, I did end up backing it because the demo was such a fantastic experience. Um, if you have Steam, you can actually still play the demo and check it out. Kickstarter is over. Um, it was a success, so uh, the game is in development, so I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, but the game is in development right now, and um, but the demo is still up on Steam if you want to try that out. I think that uh, there are little things that are um, a little fluky maybe in the demo, but um, they're the general idea of what this girl that you're playing called June, um, who's a student in this Rose Hill Academy, um, as she starts maneuvering through these nightmares that she gets, um, is pretty. it's a pretty fun story-driven adventure game with um, kind of a lot of different puzzles and horror and a bit of stealth. Uh, and um, I think it's it's a pretty cool game. Um, I'm looking forward to see what the full game is, obviously, when it comes out. Um, but definitely one that I'd say if you're into that sort of thing, that, you know, the games that I mentioned before, that you can definitely check out the demo and see if you're interested in it. Um, next up was in July, I spent a lot of time under the recommendation and influence of my husband. Um, I was playing a mobile game called Angry Birds Dream Blast. I haven't played Angry Birds games in a really long time, so I was a little hesitating through it, but I did watch my husband play a lot. 
um, and it really got me into it. Um, I kind of like the angle of it where it's a match three game, but the bubbles kind of shift <laughs> as you go down, as you see, like, there's this, like, funneling, and then all the puzzles, um, are pretty cool because, because of those elements, they add a lot of different things throughout the, the, the levels. Um, I think I plateaued at about 200-something levels, which is the highest I've ever gone for any match three games, um, but I did stop after that. Uh, one of the reasons is that I changed my phone, and then the data didn't, the progress didn't transfer over, and I'm too lazy to go and request for them to, you know, merge everything and whatnot. So I'm done with that game for now, but the game was fun while it lasted. And um, if you like match three games, I think it's a really solid one. Plus it's super cute when you um, burst the exploding um, the angry birds, the different ones that they have, they make some really cute sounds. <laughs> so that really fits my style. I really like cute things and really made me laugh and made my day at least. Um, moving on is watching. Um, obviously in June, uh, in July, the ending of, um, July, I had already started, uh, due to media coverage access that we had, I already started covering Fantasia films. Um, but those films will be excluded because I'm doing, um, uh, like I mentioned at the beginning, a sole podcast just or just for itself, Fantasia Festival coverage, uh, recap on its own. Um, so I'm not going to talk about those, but I'm going to talk about the, the movies that I did watch over the month, um, outside of that realm. Um, I had two rewatches, uh, which is Pitch Perfect and Burlesque, two musicals. <laughs> um, those movies mostly was for, uh, companion in the background while I was doing some work or whatnot. Um, I don't know if I really need to talk too much about it. Pitch Perfect is a 2012 movie. Um, super popular, kind of made Anna Kendrick in some ways, I would say. Uh, and it go it focuses around a university, Barden University, um, as the Bellas try to regain their footstep while we have um, Anna Kendrick's character who's trying to... Uh, who's under her father's influence is saying that she has to join a club um, and be more involved in university experience. Um, and if she doesn't, then she can head out and do pursue what she wants in her own um, music production career. And of course, she becomes very involved as she gets um, involved into Bella's and tries to change them so that they can actually win without um, breaking out of their comfort zone a little. Um, I mean, Pitch Perfect is a movie I absolutely love. Um, other than the whole vomiting scene that I tend to skip over a lot, um, the whole movie itself, all the music, all the stuff, I usually have it on soundtrack or I will go back to listen to it or I have some of the snippets saved up um, because it's just such a fun movie to watch overall. I mean, I'm a big fan of Britney Snow. Uh, I really like Anna, Anna Kendrick in this one. I think the soundtrack is fantastic. Um, a lot of their riffs and stuff are really fun. Um, so yeah, I mean, I like the whole dynamic of the, the film. Um, burlesque is one I think that most people don't really like. Um, I don't think it's a great movie per se, but I actually like the whole burlesque music that's being there. And I mean, who doesn't, you know, I mean, I think Christina Aguilera is in her element because she's able to really like carry the moves and really carry the music and the singing and, um... I can't say the acting is top-notch <laughs> in any way, but, I mean, the, the movie knows what it is, and it really focuses on the whole, um, the whole burlesque element. 
um, and the attractiveness of this type of art, uh, I guess this type of musical style and um, performance style. So, I mean, I go back to this one just for the soundtrack mostly. <laughs> uh, and uh, moving on, I mean, I also rented uh, Monster Hunter, which is the latest movie by Paul W.S. Anderson. Um, I'm guessing at one point we're going to cover it on Movies and Tea to kind of wrap up and catch up a little on Paul W.S. Anderson season one. Um, since we, you know, we did that in season one and that was like two years ago or something. Uh, and, you know, catch up on his film at one point. But uh, Monster Hunter is an adaptation of a video game, which obviously is Paul W.S. Anderson's favorite thing to do. And the second favorite thing is to cast his wife, Mila Jovovich, as the main leading character. I don't really have a problem with Monster Hunter. I think that the movie story is a little thin. Um, I think it's the main argument is that it's based in that open world, but it is really able to capture that world of Monster Hunter itself, which kind of, um, being a person who hasn't played the game, I really was motivated to really, you know, eventually really get into the game and kind of explore it because the monsters just seem so cool, so cool to fight, so cool to go up against, and so cool to discover. And I think that that was one of the really main highlights of it. Um, not to mention, you know, there were some cameo roles in there, uh, which I loved. <laughs> MC Jin is one of my favorite ones, which, you know, probably the last time anybody saw him in Hollywood was when he did um, a little cameo role in uh, Fast and the Furious 2. <laughs> so it was kind of nice. I mean, I'm a big fan of MC Jin. Um, I think that, you know, in terms of uh, Hong Kong rap, he's actually uh, hip hop music. He's actually done a really good contribution. And he's one of the really respected artists in that field when it comes to Hong Kong artists. But he's also from America. Like he was born in America. So he has a lot of roots in that and uh, influence. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's great. Uh, I mean, uh, Monster Hunter had a lot of other, you know, people as well. They had Ron Perlman, uh, Tony Jaa, also starring in the film. Um, so a pretty interesting film. Uh, overall, I had a lot of fun with it just for the world it created. Um, it's like I said, if you're looking for a story, like, it was expected to go in that it wasn't going to be super, you know, uh, depth deep in the story. Um, the next thing I did watch is a uh, Netflix uh, trilogy series. So you have the trilogy Fear Street Part 1, 1994, Part 2, 1978, and Part 3, 1666. Fear Street, um, the trilogy, is an adaptation of the R.L. Stein books um, of the same name. Um, I have never read Fear Street. I think the extent of R.L. Stein for me has been Goosebumps. Um, so Fear Street is set in a story which spans over um, 1666, which is its first uh, where it begins, uh, which is part three. So basically your events go backwards um, because in 1994 is where they're at this um, teenage type of um, gathering that kind of goes south. And one of the friends ends up being possessed in its in in her way and they're trying to save her so they have to go back to um try and figure out this whole possession and uh this curse that's over the town uh as they try and figure out what's going on 
So they start from 1994, which the events of 1994 and the characters basically thread through um, part one, part two, part three. But it goes backwards to some of the key events that were mentioned. Um, I think the design of the film being part one, part two, part three is really good in the sense that if you look at it as a whole, it's a very complete film experience, almost like a TV series, but a really, really long type of mini series style. Um, but obviously, if you're going into this just individual films, they are reliant on each other in order for their inter enjoyment but each of them have a different type of horror genre mixed together so i think that it really shows the diversity of the director's ability to kind of adapt to these different styles and still be able to really make the film pop out um a lot, i've heard a lot of people you know say which ones are their favorites and i think if you're looking at the favorites of each each part it would be based completely on what type of horror that you enjoy. Um, I actually thought part two was probably my favorite because it really captured that whole slasher element to it, which was really good. And then the part three really was able to kind of bring everything home. Um, part one was definitely not my favorite. I really did like the atmosphere, but there was some issues to it that I wasn't such a big fan of. Um, but, I mean, overall, I thought I, the, the film was really, really great. And it's such a great um, way to uh, portray in the future. Like, it's such a great opportunity to see that there's so much potential for this type of structure for future films. Someone who's able to be able to do trilogies of movies and then put them out instead of having to wait year after year. Because, you know, as you can see, basically, on a lot of formula, whether it's All the Boys I've Loved Before or The Kissing Booth or whatever, they're all, they're all like three movies. Um, and to have it be able to be in like a complete scene, I think this is uh, such a, um, such a great feat. And it was such a great experience to be able to watch something new every single week, almost feeling like it was like watching, you know, the shows like The Circle and stuff. So I definitely recommend um, Fear Street Trilogy for sure. I think it's such a brilliant idea. I mean, I had a lot of fun watching um, the trilogy for sure. Uh, next up is The Witches, um, which is an adaptation of a novel, of a children's novel uh, by Roald Dahl. Um, I've never actually watched the first um, adaptation back in, I think it was the 90s. Uh, but, I mean, I had a lot of fun with this one. I think that it really has, like, Robert Zemeckis basically stamps all over it. And you can really, really see his um, his influence and his direct directing style. Um, I mean, this sort of film is really, like, a um, staple of what he's usually doing. So... I mean, I really have a lot of fun with it. I think it's not, like, the best movie in the world or anything. But it is pretty entertaining, especially how um, they portray the witches uh, in this type of film, which almost feels like family film, but is also a little bit scary because um, the design of the witch is actually kind of creepy. Uh, and um, <laughs> Anne Hathaway has this really funky accent. Um, that I wasn't really completely behind, but I was okay with overall, I think. Um, and, you know, I really can't hate a movie with Octavia Spencer because, or Stanley Tucci because they really, really deliver, um, no matter how big or small the role is, respectively, obviously. 
<laughs> so, I mean, the, for, for all different reasons, I think there was a little bit of quirk to this one that um, made me enjoy it. Uh, I, I am aware of some of the downfalls and whatnot, but overall, I think it was a pretty okay time, especially if you do like this sort of film or this type of story. But um, I do hope to uh, check out the original at one point because I do want to see how it compares. Um, because I, I have heard people say that The Witches um, in the previous version is one that a lot of people do like as well. Um, so I definitely want to check that out. Um, after that, the last movie that I watched is Django Unchained. And this is for the new season of um, Tarantino, which obviously... For, uh, for movies and tea uh, for Tarantino, obviously, that's coming up. <laughs> We're way ahead in production right now, so it might be a little while before you see it. Uh, but... I mean, Tarantino's experience so far has been okay. Django Unchained is a first-time watch for myself. Um, I don't want to go too deep into it. Uh, most people know what Django Unchained is about. It's pretty much a Western, really long, <laughs> almost three hours long, uh, with Jamie Foxx. And um, it's, it's um, you know, it, it's about a German bounty hunter who uh, helps this freed slave kind of rescue his wife from a plantation owner in Mississippi. Uh, and, you know, it stars an amazing Christoph Waltz, um, a very heavily accented Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> and um, obviously the center of the attention is Django, who is played by Jamie Foxx. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the film, personally. I thought it was really, really overly long and a bit of a bore. Um, but I think that mostly has to do with my inexperience with Westerns and my lack of interest in them in general. Um, but, I mean, Christoph Waltz is fantastic in it. Like, I think he really, really carried the film. Um, I have certain issues with the film in some ways here and there. Um, but like I said, I'm gonna, you know, I want to leave a lot of this, the, the feelings for, um, when the episode for Django Unchained comes out in movies and tea, um, to not ruin it so much, I guess. Um, you know, but I mean, the general idea is I, I didn't enjoy it as much as other people, um, pretty much did. I, I would assume since it got like, I remember it got like a ton of awards and then it won Oscar and stuff like that. So... Um, obviously I'm not in the majority of the crowd, but that's okay. I usually am not because I'm odd. And that's basically it for watching. Um, I think in terms of recommendations, uh, for this one, I would say Fear Street Trilogy would definitely be my recommendation as a solid one that I, I think is really worth a watch. And plus it's on Netflix, so it's pretty accessible. Um, other than that, uh, so we're going to move on to binging. Um, Binging is a long one. <laughs> I started a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff finished over the month, um, and uh, it was an experience, let me tell you. Um, so let's first start with um, the stuff I finished. Um, in terms of finished, uh, I actually started and finished a Chinese variety show called Twinkle Love, which is a... Um, a romance type of graduation trip, like a university graduation trip, uh, where they do try to pair up um, graduating students in this type of um, 
week it was like a, a week a 10-day trip i think 10-day graduation trip or something um and uh it was pretty fun to watch i think that overall the dynamic of being in your 20s and being you know stepping into this romance and stuff like that um feels very interesting to watch uh, because the dynamic is very different from other um, observational romance shows, which is in that type of same structure, but they're in their own house, they're more mature, they're more in established careers. Um, everything's more safe and set in that sen in that sort of world where they have a little bit more experience. These people, you can really see that they're more inexperienced, but they each have their own type of different type of um personalities that kind of blend with each other. I think the most fun stuff was watching, you know, the, the friendships that came out of it because um, finding a relationship while was the center of this was not exactly the full intention, I would say. Um, you know, the show I thought was pretty cool. I, I know that I, it, I think they're doing a season two, so I'm really going to look forward to that. But seeing as this is a graduation thing, they're probably going to do it. The next one is going to be next year then. <laughs> Um, after that, uh, I finished Resident Evil Infinite Darkness, which is a four-episode um, Netflix series, um, animated series. Um, I mean, I'm really down for Resident Evil a lot of times. I haven't watched a lot of their animated um, movies overall, uh, but I definitely want to go check the rest out. Um, Infinite Darkness was pretty cool. I mean, four episodes added together was about an hour and something, so basically the series was more like a movie, <laughs> split into four parts. Um, uh, Infinite Darkness was is centered around a different type of thing. It's not as zombie-heavy, uh, which is what Resident Evil is most known for, pretty much. Uh, mutated people, mutated creatures, whatever, zombies, whatever you want to call it. Um, instead, it actually focuses on the characters as um, Leon joins into the White House. Um, he's a little bit older now after the Raccoon City events. Um, and you also have Claire uh, Redfield on the other side, which is on location pretty much as she does reporting and journalism. And she's trying to get resources for um, an area which has been hit. Uh, and pretty much at both sides go together to have this, uh, they start finding out this scheme that's actually going on behind the scenes um, in regards to the whole uh, virus. Uh, so I think that the focus shifting to something that's not just about the zombies, but actually who is behind all this virus and the world changing and um, who's trying to kind of use this to their advantage to create, you know, bioweapons or something. Um, the whole concept kind of goes back to the roots of the story of Resident Evil and I think that that's what makes this one pretty interesting to watch overall um but like I said it's not very long if you do like Resident Evil I think this is you know a step up from the movies for sure um like that live action movies <laughs> but um the animated one this one is is I think it's pretty solid I'm definitely going to go back and catch up to the other animated uh, movies because I have heard that those are actually all pretty good as well um next up I finished a Chinese drama on Chi called The Day of Becoming You um The Day of Becoming You is pretty much a body swap romance. Um, it's about two, it's about a um, Chinese um, idol, boy band idol pop star who is at the end of his contract with his boy band. Um, and they're, as they get ready to kind of split, 
um, he meets a journalist, a entertainment journalist, um, for social media, and um, and uh, through different circumstances, an accident makes them have this body swap, and eventually this turns into a very funny type of thing as they start getting to know each other through these swaps and being you know be with being uh, you know in each other's place and learning about each other's lives and kind of between them using their own personalities to kind of um, change each other's life as well um, through their own knowledge and whatnot. Uh, it's a very different type of romance because now you have this whole, it's a bit like, you know, if you've seen um, the Japanese animation, Your Name, um, it's very similar to that where when a boy and girl swap, they also have to get used to their difference, whether it's the things they go through, their <laughs> natural cycle, um, the people they meet, the style that they are, and um, and it's even funnier because when they figure out how to swap back, it's more of a trial and error be when they end up swapping again and again. Um, so it creates a lot of comedy as well. Uh, I think it's it's definitely one of the top series for me this year. I had a lot of fun watching it. Um, I do think that it drags a little bit longer than it should, uh, mostly because I think that's one or two swaps more than it should have been. Um, so the ending pacing is a little bit odd, um, especially when you come to the ending where <laughs> the reasoning is a little bit ridiculous. But I think it's able to pull into some of the elements. It's a little bit forced, but... Um, when you think about it a little bit more, it has its logic behind it as well. So, um, I'm definitely going to try and work on a TV binge for this. My TV binge list is just ridiculously long right now, so I'm working backwards. <laughs> Hopefully trying to go back eventually to talk about the series that really, um, I really like this year. Um, in order to, you know, be able to compile a list at the end of the year and, and talk about that. Uh, which is something I'm definitely trying to angle into. Um, after that, um, the second drama that I also finished this month was Flourish in Time, which is a Tencent uh, series. Um, Flourish in Time, I have talked about before, and I've talked about how great it is um, in the sense that it pulls together two really great series from um, probably last year. Uh, and it has those little elements that really bring it together in that sense. Um, and Flourish in Time is, is a really, really interesting angle in the sense that, I mean, um, they take a school life, a family, kind of a non-blood-related sibling relationship that obviously turns into something a little bit more as they get older. And it is focused solely around the whole high school and um, kind of making each other better. Uh, but also having a strong family element in it. Um, at the same time, the the male lead is um, the older brother type of role, where uh, they also where he has had an accident, so he deals with disability as one of his main issues. Um, so this creates this different type of tension in their own um, relationship as he grows up and has to deal with uh, some of this. Um, I guess it's more of an inner battle of accepting himself. Uh, so the angle is really good in that sense. Um, Flourish in Time is definitely one of 
uh, one of my favorite series this year. I binged the thing so fast, and I was waiting for these series to come out every single week that it was it was I, it was just a waiting game every single week. Uh, the anticipation was crazy. Um, I mean, it has a lot to do with the fact, I think, that the female lead also is 16 years old, which is the same age as her character, um, which means that this series didn't have any of the kissing scenes or anything that was too intimate um, in that sense because, you know, respecting her age, <laughs> it was, it was uh, interesting. But still, without all that stuff, the series was still able to really carry a lot of emotion and really be deep enough. Um, and I think that that in itself is, uh, is a feat, <laughs> is, is a really, really good, is a really, really good sign. Um, definitely recommend that if you have Tencent. Um, I mean, it, you can watch it on YouTube, on the Tencent YouTube channel. Uh, and if you feel ambitious enough, you can even go on their, uh, their site, uh, wetv.com. VIP, I think. Um, but after that, I ended up re-watching, the final thing is I ended up re-watching Black Summer Season 1 with the husband um, in anticipation for Season 2, which obviously has out now. Um, and uh, I don't think I ever reviewed Black Summer Season 1, um, but I'm going to be talking about, I'm going to write a review for that very soon, and I might end up in the horror marathon at the rate things are going <laughs> in October. So we'll see. Um, but Season 1, watching it again, was still pretty fun. I had a lot of, I think Black Summer is a pretty cool series overall. It's very realistic. All the characters feel very real. And, um... I mean, another thing that the series does well is that they're not afraid to lose characters along the way and bring in new ones. So I think that there is a core group, but there's also, you know, other characters that really do contribute, but they're easily can be replaced or die or whatever, which is normal in the landscape that they're in pretty much. Um... Basically, that's all the series that I finished at this point. Um, I'm going to go quickly through the ones I started because I usually only review series once I finish them. But I will tell you <laughs> if I have dropped some of these series um, because obviously this is July and we're in September. So if I'm not talking about it, then it's not going to show up in the next episode for August. Uh, so first of all is um, I started Heart Signal um, Season 4. I've watched most of the other Heart Signals, which is um, pretty much the, uh, in contrast to Twinkle Love that I was talking before, this is the adult version, <laughs> where it's um, it's the fourth season where it's an observation romance, where people are, um, six people are moved into a house and uh, for a month. And they basically, their main goal is not only to live together, but also to experience um, weekends where they can date and, you know, build relationships with each other, um, seeing who's interested in opening up those opportunities. Um, season four is set in uh, Shenzhen, which is interesting because this is the first time that they're in a apartment building and not a, like a beautiful condo instead of a uh, you know, house in the middle of nowhere, you know, <laughs> in, in a big city. So it's, it's a different, um, feeling, obviously, for the whole show. Um, I have to say, though, Heart Signal, I kind of fell off. Um, so I'm going to go back to it for sure. But, uh, in August, I never went back to it. But I will be going back to it in September. Uh, it's one of my things coming up next. Um, after that is Girls Like Us, which is a competition show. Um, Girls Like Us is a, um, 
female hip hop music competition show. Um, they're going to, they're computing, they're competing in order for the end to um, be able to establish a brand. So the their prize is that they will be able to establish their brand with a few of the girls that will be, uh, that will win in that group pretty much. Um, I mean, I'm a big fan of this show. I've been catching up with it every single week that it's going on. Um, I mean, it's, it's a really good angle, especially because, uh, female rappers or hip hop artists, whatever you want to call it, is, um, definitely a, uh, minority in China. I mean, hip hop in general is still a upcoming, um, newly more known type of uh, musical style. So people are still trying to learn about it, and uh, the show itself is to highlight the female, you know, uh, hip hop artists that are there and the talent that that they have in the country, and that's and they do have some really um, interesting characters in there for sure. Uh, after that, I checked out China Trending Now, uh, which is about trends and fashion and whatnot. Um, I basically watched. The first episode and stop so I'm not going to talk too much about that um, after that I also watched uh, lover or stranger which is an Aichi series I started that one I haven't finished it yet because it, I got cut into um, Fantasia um, lover and stranger is about a uh, girl who wakes up from a an avalanche in Japan uh, and has amnesia and um, she starts realizing that the man who claims is her fiancé is hiding something from her um, and that not everything is quite what, she's, what, quite what it seems. So it's a bit of a thriller, a bit of a suspense, and a bit of a romance. Um, the show is interesting. Um, it's not the type of show I normally watch, but um, I think that the setup is really good. Um, in the long run, it's a little bit odd <laughs> so far. I'm about halfway through the, the series right now. Um, before I went into Fantasia and stopped watching it. Um, but I will try and finish it and uh, I'll talk about it when I'm done with the series. Um, another one that started right before, um, right at the end of July was You Are My Glory, which is a series that I've been waiting for. And it happened to coincide with Fantasia. So I only ended up watching one episode. Um, but that one episode I absolutely loved. Um, I'm not going to talk too much about it. Um, it's about a guy who's an astronaut and another girl who's a, um, an actress or some singer or something. And, uh, they end up, uh, they, they used to be, um, old classmates who eventually will reunite online, um, playing an online game. So, uh, interesting <laughs> for sure. I'm definitely looking forward to it. And the last one is the season four of Meeting Mr. Right, where, uh, it's about, you know, celebrity relationships and um, observing them through the um, through the eyes of um, their parents or close one, close uh, close friends and stuff. Um, this one is still going on right now. I'm having a lot of fun with it. I pretty much enjoy it. The four couples and four celebrities in this one are interesting, um, but I'm not going to talk too much about it. I'm going to talk more about it at the end, I guess, to see how I feel about it. I guess. Um, and that basically wraps up the, um, TV series in general. Um, 
in terms of TV series, I definitely say uh, I would recommend Resident Evil Infinite Darkness just because I think that's the only one which is accessible on Netflix, um, other than Black Summer, obviously. Um, both of them are pretty recommendable, I think, if you're into the whole zombies thing. Um, if you want to check out something a little bit different, um, I definitely say the two series that I watched. Um, probably Flourish of the Time will be a little bit more accessible. Um, and that's one that I definitely enjoyed a lot. It's a bit of a teen coming of age with romance and family elements. So uh, it's definitely one to check out. I really, really enjoyed that one. Um, with that said, that wraps up the July recap, which covers week 28 to 31 um, for this uh, for this episode. Um, thanks so much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed. And um, if you enjoyed, remember to like and follow. Um, you can check out my other um, platforms that I'm on, social media and such. Uh, you can check out my posts on my blog, kllingwordpress.com. You can also find me on Instagram, uh, Tranquil Dreams. Uh, on my Facebook is Tranquil Dreams blog. And Twitter is Tranquil Dreams underscore. Um, all my posts are actually uh, directly um, shared on Facebook and Twitter. So if you, um, I don't really do a lot of activity on there, but uh, if those uh, platforms are more accessible to you, then you can give me a follow on there and you'd be able to see all of my blogs that show up um, that, that are published um, on there. Uh, but that's it. Thanks again. And um, till next time. Bye.